0: Hello and welcome to This is Modern Rock, the podcast that takes a look at the modern rock charts one month at a time. Today we're going to be talking about May of 1992, so welcome back. Thank you all for listening. Today, I have our somewhat regular guest, Orly, on the show. Orly, welcome.
1: I'm very regular. Very regular. I'm the most regular Mm -hmm. (laughs) guest on this show.
0: Guest on the show, yes. Glad to have you back.
1: Thanks. Good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. What's new? You know, work, 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 laundry. Um, (laughs) My whole family was sick. I'm still sick. You might be able to hear it. And the rasp in my voice. Mm,
0: nothing serious, I hope.
1: No, uh, tested for COVID. Negative. Mm-hmm. We just were all very snotty. Yeah. Lots like of snot.
0: I was a little sick myself. Yeah. Probably not COVID. No. I think this was the first time that I got sick in any serious way in two years.
1: I was going to say, I think it's like 22 months for me, which is close to two years. Yeah. yeah I- which is incredible. I feel blessed that it went that long. Yes.
0: I know it's weird, right? Like I used to get sick probably every 4 to 6 months and since I covid hate hit, it. It, I been, know it's been almost 2 years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. It's incredible. Thank
0: god for covid, that's all I can say.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wash my hands a lot more too.
0: And we got the masks on.
1: I think I'm going to keep the masks yeah. going. I mean, there's no reason not to wear a mask to the grocery store. It feels almost rude not to. Yeah especially the produce is just like out there and open
0: yeah i'm thinking about taking it even one step further Uh i've invented something it's a mask for your hands
1: these are called mittens (laughs) (laughs) well i think they're gonna catch on big time
0: it's may of 1992 okay how's 1992 been going have you been uh, following along with the show like music wise yeah
1: um you know there's some highs and lows
0: yeah, I feel like it's still been more British and less grungy than I expected.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. I think early grunge wasn't considered modern rock. It was just considered rock. Yeah, maybe. You know,
0: maybe things haven't quite taken off yet.
1: I know, but some might say that it's dead by 93, so...
0: That's weird, right?
1: When is it happening then? I don't know. If not now. I don't know.
0: Maybe it's happening now. Maybe it's happening in May of 1992 Uh, let's hear it then yeah
1: you know what i'm gonna spoil it i know it's not happening because i heard these songs already so (laughs) because this time you're like hey do you mind doing your homework your initial hot takes are wrong
0: (laughs) (laughs) i said no such thing
1: and i'm like okay you want me to listen to these songs ahead of time and i did
0: Yeah, well, all right
1: It's been a while, though
0: You know, let's just skip the songs. Just tell me what you think One, two, three,
1: four Uh. We're out of here We'll get this thing done in (laughs) ten minutes And uh, call it a day I'm an expert I've heard these songs twice each now Yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so We've been sick
1: Yeah I mean, it's the holidays I'm wrapping a lot of gifts Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have two ungrateful children
0: Oh, nice (laughs) (laughs) What are you gonna do? Give them coal
1: no, but I have a heart, too. You know, I'm like, mm. wow, things are hard for kids right now. You can't just take them to the park. It's just not the same. Yeah. They're living a weird life.
0: I'll bet. Yeah. So.
1: Well, all right. Let's get into it. We're going to hear four
0: songs, as usual. Today, we've got three number one modern
1: rock hits. Okay. Which, mm-hmm. uh,
0: you know, I, it just means that they didn't stay very long on top of yeah, the charts. Yeah, they're chart. just
1: knocking each other down. Mm-hmm.
0: And we're going to kick things off with a band called Cracker. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're familiar with Cracker. Yeah. Is the band name offensive?
1: Oh, I think it's fine.
0: But it's clearly some kind of nod to...
1: Cracker ass white boy? Yeah.
0: You think so? I think so. Or is it just like we're bland as a cracker? I think it's some kind of like this is a country rock band and we're a bunch of crackers. And we're like
1: taking the piss out of ourselves a little bit. I think so. Yeah. I literally pictured Crackers.
0: Well, right. You could be picturing the kind you eat. You could be picturing like you know a honky ass cracker. Mm-hmm. You could be picturing those like little poppers if you're British.
1: Oh yes, whatever, right? never in my life would I, but yes, no. I'm thinking of like um it was like a Keebler sociable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, this band is whatever you need them to
1: be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: I always pictured a Ritz. I'm going to be a honest. Ritz? Yeah.
1: See, a sociable is like a Ritz. Okay. That's too fancy for these guys. Soci- these, yeah, sociable
0: these, is too too fancy for sure.
1: Yeah, these guys are saltines or clubs.
0: I just right now made that connection. Ritz, like putting on the Ritz. <laughs> We're Ritzy. Socialite, sociable. Oh my God, that is a fancy cracker. Good God. It's buttery. Indulgent. Flaky. Uh-huh.
1: I feel like I want one right now. We need something no butter, no flavor. A touch of salt, perhaps. I would take that. That's the saltine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little fat. Then you got yourself a club. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Cracker was formed in 1990 by childhood friends David Lowry and Johnny Hickman. Mm-hmm. And we've heard Lowry before, actually, because he's the lead singer of Camper Van Beethoven. Mm-hmm. They charted a few times. They had a number one modern rock hit with pictures of Matchstick men. Mm hmm. After their last album, the band broke up more or less. And so uh, he decided to start up Cracker. Okay. Cracker released their first album in 1992. And we're going to be listening to their lead single, mm-hmm. which went straight to the top of the modern rock charts. And this is called Teen Angst, parentheses, what the world needs now. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think the subtitle is probably. I think it's a pretty clear reference, actually, to the 1965 Backrack and David yeah. song, What the what World, the need. world yeah.
1: Needs Now. Take it home. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> love, is it love? Yeah. sweet, sweet love. love.
0: Yeah. Should we just listen to it? Sure. Let's do this. Here we go. Crackers, Teen Angst, What the World Needs Now.
1: What the world needs now is a new kind of tension. love that classic ending feedback yeah that was good that was good i mean i find that song totally enjoyable yeah you know it's kind of basic but enjoyable also before i did my homework (laughs) i (laughs) i'd maybe heard that song once it was like barely on my radar
0: yeah you know before I started doing this show, if you would have asked me about Cracker, I would have said, oh yeah, they're that band that had that song, Low, and Get Off This. Yeah. And I would have guessed those were their only two hits. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to see that their biggest modern rock hit is actually this one. Is oh, really? It's the only time they hit number one. That's funny. Yeah. But you know, we talked about Nirvana and grunge, and uh-huh. like, wh- where are the American bands? Where's the grunge? And this These is, guys are grungy. This is, well, I don't know if I call this grungy, but I think the Nirvana influence is there. And I think it's there in the bigger, more prominent guitars, especially compared to Camber Van Beethoven. Mm-hmm. I think it's there in the title of Teen mm-hmm. Angst. I think Teen mm-hmm. Angst, even if it's intended in sort of a eye-rolling kind uh-huh. of... Tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, that kind of way. I still think we're acknowledging sure. the obvious Teen Angst of Nirvana and uh, all of the Nirvana fandom that's... Coming into the mainstream here. Yeah. So I think Modern Rock up to just about this point, it was almost entirely confined to college radio stations. And I think the music is starting to seep down into high school range. And I think we're starting to see trends that appeal to high schoolers in a way that didn't well, Strictly appeal to college students. Youngens
1: youngins bring energy. Right. And like, you know, like when you think of all those like K-pop fans, it's those like teen girls that are totally obsessed. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to get like really interesting changes happening with music when teenage girls get behind it. And me, BTS for life. <laughs> that was an incredulous look on my face.
0: <laughs> you're not buying it, huh? Mm-mm. Okay.
1: Also, every time I'm like, I'm trying to say BTS, Mm -hmm. not BTK. That's that murderer. yeah, serial killer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) To me, it sounds like something I'd order from Burger King or something.
1: Can I get the BTS? Yeah.
0: Give me one BTS burger.
1: (laughs) What would be on there?
0: Bacon, tomato, and sausage. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, it's no mutton, lettuce, and tomato, but it's good here's a fun bit of trivia okay david lowry he reaches number one with cracker he also reached number one with camper van beethoven is he the first artist to have a number one hit on the modern rock charts with two different bands no that's correct (laughs) do you know who was
1: i mean i could think about it for a while but just tell me it's david J.
0: Who hit number one as a solo artist and as a member of Love and Rockets?
1: Oh wait, do you remember how I was like, I love David J. <laughs> yeah, you're like he can be my chauffeur,
0: <laughs> and then you never listen to him again.
1: It's because I couldn't remember his name. I'm like David J. <laughs> like get a last name. Yeah, so, oh, well geez. he does. I think it's Haskins,
0: but <laughs> David, David J. is pretty generic.
1: <laughs> David J. Haskins, that guy is selling insurance.
0: Teenage spent two weeks at number one. Do you think any of that was strictly just the title? Like, people are excited about the concept yeah, of teen angst?
1: for sure. They're like, teen angst, this has got to be good. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Hey, I want to drive around and be surly. I'm a teen. I have angst. Did you listen to the lyrics at all?
0: I don't really understand if it's a joke, because if it's a joke, it's not really that funny. Yeah, it doesn't seem
1: serious. I don't really understand at all. I just think it's a pretty face-valued okay. joke yeah. and... Not very sophisticated.
0: He's just straight up like, I want a V8 truck and to yes. drink a tall one. Yeah, and, and I want that
1: girl get in bed with me. And,
0: uh, and I don't have any words of wisdom, so la, 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 la.
1: Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah,
0: that's what I think. Yeah, fair enough.
1: But it's fun. I liked yeah, a lot about it.
0: Still fun, Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So the band the band keeps charting here and there. They're going to be on the charts as late as 1996. It's been a few years since they put out an album, but they're still a band. They're still together. Okay. I was fortunate enough to see them uh, maybe a year before COVID hit and I got to see Camper Van Beethoven open for them.
1: That was a lot of fun. So wait, he was just on stage the whole time? Yep. Yep. That's fun. Yeah, uh-huh. that was fun. it was fun. It's
0: a good show. Cracker's got some good songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to hear from them again, I'm pretty sure, on the sure. show. Uh, but let's move on. Two weeks later, we got a new number one hit. This one from the UK. In fact, it is the Charlatans UK.
1: Oh, right. With their exciting name situation. Don't you
0: love the bands (laughs) that have to stick UK on the end of it? So stupid. The reason they have to be the Charlatans UK is because there was an American band called the Charlatans in the 60s.
1: They weren't just going to let that go?
0: No, because obviously people might make a mistake and think that the British... Modern rock band was a short-lived 60s. 30
1: uh, years later. Yeah, I don't know. That's how it goes though. Yeah, I guess. I
0: don't, would you just change your name completely or would you go Orly UK? Um
1: I'm sorry. You're not <laughs> you're not from the UK. Would you go Orly US? No, that's my name. I couldn't be my own name? Sorry. I think that's weird. Yeah. mm.
0: So you just change it to something else? No.
1: You'd be like, I would just be Orly. And if they want to bring it, I'd say, I'll see you in court. (laughs) (laughs) No one's called you orally since 1963. (laughs) Okay. All right.
0: My favorite one, though, is the Beat. That band does not say the Beat UK. That is either the English Beat or the Paul Collins Beat.
1: Okay. I mean, that's kind of funny.
0: That's an okay way to do it. The English Charlatans. Now, nah, maybe that, that just sounds like they're a Charles Dickens villain yeah, or something. Yeah, totally. Also, <laughs> they're
1: called the Charlatans. Of course, they were going to get picked out.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, enough about the name.
1: Uh, this is an English band.
0: Obviously, they were formed in 1988, and they were very successful in the UK. All 13 of their studio albums have gone top 40.
1: Whoa.
0: They put seven songs on the modern rock charts
1: whoa, 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 whoa,
0: four from their debut album.
1: These guys are all over it. Yeah.
0: All right, we're going to hear a song from the Charlatans UK's second album, Between 10th and 11th. That's the album name, Between 10th and 11th.
1: Yeah, it's like Platform 9 and 3 quarters.
0: Yeah. This is the debut single. It's called Weirdo, and it was the band's biggest hit in the US. This song was at least in part a response to the rise of Nirvana and grunge music in America. Okay. On the first album, they sound like they really, really, really love the Stone Roses. Okay. To the point where it's almost embarrassing. And I actually like some of those songs quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think they're good, but they sound like the Stone Roses, plus an organ. Hmm. This is their attempt to be more direct. Okay. Which, which is a description that they applied to grunge and nirvana. So direct. Yeah, direct. L- listen out for that. See if you can hear a more direct sound. Let's hear it. Here it is. Weirdo. Most of the time you are
1: happy. You're a widow.
0: That song was not for me. Here's the thing. I only know it was influenced by Nirvana because I read an interview with them. Doesn't sound anything like Nirvana. Right. And I don't think it was like musically influenced by them. It's just like in terms of the they way really that pushed they pushed us
1: to do this. But here's what I
0: take away from it. When I listen to this song, it sounds darker than their earlier stuff. Mm. And if I had not known otherwise, I would have thought that they had maybe been listening to some Nine Inch Nails
1: or oh, something like that. Yes, that I could hear. Because when I thought the Charlatans UK, I didn't think they were such a keyboard heavy band.
0: Well, that's that's actually one of their defining features is they have an organist. Okay. And uh, it features heavily in a lot of their songs. Organ? Yeah, I'm not talking like a Hammond organ. Yeah. Right, but this was like synth.
1: It sounded like a lot of layered keyboard tracks.
0: Yeah, and there's definitely something that sounded a little industrial.
1: Yeah, I just, I guess I wanted more from it. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, seemed predictable and a little wanky.
0: I, You know, I thought it was fine. It's one of those songs where I guess I'm surprised that it hit number one. Mm-hmm. I think it's totally, totally fine as a number 10 hit.
1: I think it's totally fine, like dancing to it in the club, but I'm not like, I want to put this on and listen to it. Yeah.
0: I still like the Charlatans though. I like their first album. I think it's cool.
1: They the one go- where they sound exactly like the Stone Roses.
0: Well, come on. I like the Stone Roses.
1: <laughs> but it's so, it's like a Stone Roses B, C list songs.
0: Their best songs on that album are like B plus Stone Roses. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, but the band goes on to explore some other stuff. They, at some point, go Britpop, and they've got some pretty solid Britpop songs that are actually like really catchy and cool.
1: I thought that that when I think of them, I think more Britpop.
0: Mm -hmm. So they're going to do some of that, and then they're going to kind of... I don't know, go back and explore some more dancey rock stuff again. And they've got songs throughout their career that I think are really strong. It's just, this is kind of middle of the road charlatan singles for me. So it's Mm. surprising that it was their biggest hit in the US.
1: You know, sometimes it's just a time and place situation. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But
0: um, I don't want to put them down and I'm looking forward to hearing some other songs of
1: theirs that I really actually like. Me too. Yeah. That guitar solo and then it's like, I could just... I was like, and then this is going to happen. And it's like, and I could just feel, I could like, everything that was happening, I was like predicting.
0: All right. Well, the Charlatans UK, they're going to chart a few more times on the modern rock charts. They'll never have another number one hit over here. In the UK, they are not going to hit their commercial peak until 1997, at which point they really blow up over there. They have a Mm -hmm. huge album.
1: Well, good for them. And,
0: um... I don't think they've ever broken up. I think... Still still, rocking. still going. 13 studio albums, most recently in 2017, keeping the dream alive. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? Hmm. We've got one more number one. Okay. Uh, and this is a band we've heard from before. This is XTC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while since we heard from them, though. I think... Was it was the last time we heard from them back in season one, maybe? With, maybe. Uh, um Mayor of Simpleton? Maybe. I'm not going to go over the whole history of the band because we've, he did we've heard that. some of their stuff before. Yeah. But briefly, they were formed in 1972. Look at them go. They're geezers. <gasps> the band is primarily Andy Partridge and Colin Molding. On this particular album, they brought in a new drummer to drum with them, and it is Dave Maddox of Fairport Convention. Mm hmm. And so we're going to hear a song from their 12th studio album, Nonsuch. This is the band's third double album.
1: Third double album. They just can't stop writing songs. They, well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of
0: intense, actually, picking up some XTC and you're like, oh, 17 songs. Okay, let's, let's jump into this. Uh huh. Yeah, you have to be committed.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so weird how being a fan is like that. It does make it tough when
0: you're trying to get into a band after the fact. Uh-huh. Because if you're into XTC, like starting in 1972, you yeah, know, 17 Take it songs, as it comes. It's not so bad. You go right. like, oh yeah, you get I'll 17 songs this. every year or two. Uh-huh. But when you're trying to dig into the back catalog, Whew. yeah, it's something. I bet. The first single off the album was called The Disappointed, and it was the band's final top 40 in the UK. It did not chart on the modern rock charts though. Actually, caveat there. Let's hear it. The Crash Test Dummies actually covered the song we're going to hear today mm. uh, for the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack.
1: Oh my God, I probably know that version. That
0: one went to number 30 in the UK. So in some sense, they did have a later top 40 hit, but it was a, a not co- them. It was cover of their song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, if that sounds hilarious to you, don't bother looking it up because the Crash Test Dummies version is being sung by Ellen Reed, not the uh, the dude with the low voice. Who's Ellen Reed? She's a band member of Crash Test oh, Dummies. Oh, the low
1: voice dude's not singing
0: it. He sings most of their songs, but she sings songs on occasion. So I was, I was really looking forward to it. I, was looking, I go I got to hear this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Peter Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no such luck. So we're going to hear the second single from Nonsuch. It is called The Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. And once again, I don't love the title, I am actually a really big XTC fan. I love so many of their songs. Uh-huh. But some of the titles Bad sound names. like they sound like nursery rhymes. Uh-huh. They sound like kitty songs and it it's a turnoff for me.
1: I get it. Yeah.
0: Anyway, here it is. XTC's The Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. But he made- First of all, Mm -hmm. I already said how I don't like the title. It's pretty silly. I don't really care for the lyrical I mean, he
1: says Peter Pumpkinhead like 10 times. Yeah. But this is
0: really strong songwriting. You can feel the craftsmanship here. Definitely. Yes. There's good bass lines. There's good guitar runs. It's memorable. The vocal harmonies are cool. Yeah.
1: I agree with all of that. Though, it reminded me a little bit of like... Squeeze at this time. 90s squeeze versus 80s squeeze. And like you guys, you have it. You definitely have it because you've had it and you can't ever really get rid of it. Uh-huh. But it doesn't have the same luster.
0: Do you think that's a production issue? Or do you think it's just the band's quotation mark maturing into I think it's styles? actually
1: both. Mm-hmm. It feels dated.
0: This, to me, is still quality song.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is.
0: But, I mean, I would totally be happy if they just changed all of the lyrics. The lyrics are bad. As far as I can tell, this song is basically about JFK Oh, and, and maybe Jesus, which, like, huh. in 1992, I mean, how topical.
1: <sighs> I know. Huh. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think the songwriting's there. It just seemed like. I just did not want to hear Peter Pumpkinhead yeah, anymore, and like I was, I kept wanting to go Peter Pumpkin Eater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he had
1: a wife and
0: couldn't keep her.
1: It wouldn't be much sillier.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. But I mean, you can tell these guys are really good musicians. Yeah, and you can tell that Andy Partridge knows how to write absolutely. songs. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Um, these guys can play.
1: Right. And then I'm thinking like, maybe I just haven't like, maybe if I heard this 12 more times, you know, mm-hmm. I listened to Tig Nataro's podcast, Don't Ask Tig. And she's got this Edie Brickell song that closes the show that I heard half a dozen times before I was like, oh my god, this is so good. And I always listen all the way to the end so I can hear the song. It's so good.
0: But it took you six times before it sunk in.
1: It took me, yeah, a good handful of times. Yeah. It wasn't like immediate. And now I, I can't believe it isn't because now when I hear it, I'm like, oh my God, it's so good. But I really have a hard time with slower burns mm-hmm. because I just don't have the attention span. Well, there, I mean, there's just
0: so much music out there. There's so many things to distract us. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to say like, I'm going to sit down with this song six times. I know. But s- when
1: it's at the end of a, one of your podcasts you listen to every week, you, just, you get it.
0: Yeah. All right. The story of XTC takes a bit of an unfortunate turn shortly after this. Mm -hmm. After this song, the band released one more single, Wrapped in Gray, and their record label pulled it almost immediately. So as far as I understand, there's about a thousand copies of the CD that exist out in the world, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Why would they pull it? I don't know, but the band was very unhappy about it. And then... They went into seven years of record label hell, Aww. where the record label wouldn't let them put out the album they wanted to do.
1: I can't believe that they can do that.
0: Yeah. It's awful. And I think their contract was really bad, where, right. the, where the record label got all the rights to all their songs, Ugh, and they didn't want disgusting. that. Disgusting. Yeah. And so they didn't put out a follow-up album until 1999, which at that point... It's a completely different... The world is different. They're different. Yes. Everything. I, mean, I can't... Can you imagine young people clamoring for new XTC albums in 1999? Mm-mm. So... They missed the boat. Yeah. And I'm especially sad because from what I read, the album they wanted to release back in 93 or so, it was a tribute to Bubblegum Pop but all of the songs were sexually suggestive.
1: Oh, well, i would listened
0: to that. <laughs> so we missed out on that one. Mm-hmm. The world has been deprived. Obviously. Yeah, but that, that was XTC. All right, we've got one more band we're going to listen to. I got to say, I'm kind of shocked by this, that we've heard three number one songs that I would say are not super well-known songs at uh-huh. this point. And we have to go all the way down to number six. To hear Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. Yeah, we're going to be hearing Under the Bridge. This is the second single from the Chili Peppers' fifth studio album, Blood oh God, Sugar, Sex to, Magic.
1: I get to be in both of the Chili Peppers oh, yeah, you're, episodes? Yeah,
0: you're my official peps super fan. Mm. I'm
1: so excited to see them next year. Oh, Unless the pandemic takes us out uh, fully. Yeah. <laughs> No leaving your house ever again. Under the
0: Bridge hit number two on the Hot 100. So this was a big pop crossover hit. And it was held off the top spot by none other than Crisscross, Cross, Jump. Jump. Like Daddy Make Makey. They're the miggity, miggity, miggity Macs. Yeah, so, Daddy Mac. What are you going to do about that? Yeah. Under the Bridge was very different than what the peps <laughs> had done up to that point. Right, This is yeah. a big departure. Anthony Kiedis, lead singer of the, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, He mostly did rapping, talking, Yeah, you know. And there were some songs where he kind of sung a little bit, but this is, for the most part, straight up singing. Yeah. And it's kind of a ballad. Yeah. It was a risk, and it was a departure.
1: And it worked so well for them. They're like, you know what, Coneheads? We're going to do it again. (laughs) That's absolutely true, yeah. And
0: we'll get there. This song started as some poetry that Anthony Kiedis had written in his journal, and producer Rick Rubin was looking through it, and he liked these lyrics. Mm. And he really pushed Anthony to turn it into a song. Anthony had not been planning on it, Mm -hmm. but upon Rick Rubin's insistence, Hmm. he showed the band, and John Frusciante came up with a guitar part, and it really worked, and the band just kind of worked it out from there. But I think it's really interesting that Anthony, he really struggled with this song, and it's not super obvious from the final recorded version, but he was not, a good singer at this point in his oh, career. No. Uh, I think the song turned out totally fine. Sure. He's, like, I have no complaints with his singing. And eventually, he went on to take vocal lessons. And he's a pretty solid singer now. Uh-huh. He can harmonize really well. But at this point, back in 1991, when he was recording, not a good singer. Uh-uh. And he was embarrassed to play it live. He was very pitchy. And it was
1: not fun for him. Uh-huh. I could Uh-oh. see that. He was right out there. You know, it's very vulnerable.
0: Yeah, and not just with his voice, but lyrically, but also lyrically, yeah, content, yeah. all of it. This song is about his drug use. Very different than singing about Magic Johnson or
1: giving it away.
0: Yeah, exactly, giving it away. And by the way, I do like those lyrics, but I'm wondering if they could change it from what I've got. I'd like to get it put in, in you to what I want is I want to hug and kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one other thing to note is The band played Under the Bridge on Saturday Night Live in 1992 Mm. And this is a notorious performance John Frusciante, I think he might have been wasted Oh, But he was also really struggling with this being a big pop hit, uh-huh. you know, that's not really what he wanted for the band. He wanted to right. like flex his artistic muscles, uh-huh. expand his guitar horizon. So, well, to speak. I was
1: gonna say it was kind of a turning point for them. This song, oh, this is a huge, I mean, give it away was a big hit, give but, it away was a big hit, but, but this, yes, yeah,
0: this took it to a whole nother level, yes, and it, it made the band superstars. And John Frusciante was uncomfortable with that, uh-huh. and so you can see this if you watch the SNL performance. It's not just that he looks uncomfortable, but he is, I don't know if sabotaging the song is the right word, Mm. but he is playing almost a different song, you know? Interesting. And he's, it sounds kind of like Under the Bridge and kind of not like it at all. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And from what I've heard, Anthony Kiedis was pissed. I bet. And I read one source that said he didn't talk to John for a year after it.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a nice thing to do to your band on stage in any way, TV or not, but I could see going like, really, we're gonna get famous for this song that like, really sounds nothing like us mm-hmm. and right. there's expectations now of this variety.
0: Oh yeah, pop stardom brings a lot of new expectations.
1: Yeah. Not that I'm saying they
0: sold out, but if, if your biggest hit is a song that sounds nothing like your yes. band, yes. then it can feel that way. And John didn't like it, which is too bad because his guitar part on the song it's great. is beautiful. Yeah, it's an it incredible is. guitar part. It is.
1: Yeah. Child's play. He's like, whatever.
0: <laughs> Why don't we listen to the song that I think everyone's probably familiar with? Absolutely. And if you're not, prepare to have your mind blown. Right. Under Who's the bridge. Not on a You know, at the end of Under the Bridge, when it like really builds and then you've got like the, the chorus, like the, the, the female singers. Dancing. Yeah, taking it home. Frusciante so that is John Frusciante's mom and a couple ladies from her church choir.
1: Oh, really? I always thought it was just the dude singing in falsetto. Nope.
0: <laughs> it's John's mom. John's and mom.
1: They did a great job. I was literally picturing... Flea and Frushante like, Under the Bridge dancing. Oh, <laughs> you heard Flea sing. Come on.
0: <laughs> I got a couple more things about the Chili Peppers. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, so here's one. And it's not exactly related to Under the Bridge, but I think I had to share. Relate it. it. Anthony Kiedis met Sinead O'Connor at a European festival in 1989. And he knew that she was there at the show. Okay. And I guess, you know, he liked the way she looked or whatever. So when they were on stage... He dedicated their song, Party on Your Pussy, to her. Oh. And uh, then he wrote her a meaningful letter after he met her backstage. Oh. And uh, like a year later, they ran into each other and they started hanging out. But, and I quote, she wasn't exactly letting me all the way in her door, so to speak. And I don't just mean vaginally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> letting me in her door? <sighs> Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, and the reason I bring that up, they sort of kind of dated. And after he was unexpectedly dumped,
1: I thought she was like, don't call me. Yeah. You're obsessed with me. Yeah.
0: It's, you know, he said, she said. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, after whatever happened happened, Anthony and John wrote a song called I Could Have Lied, which was inspired by Sinead O'Connor and also by Jimi Hendrix's cover of All Along the Watchtower. And that song ended up on Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It's a really good song. And uh, I guess I bring that up because Sinead O'Connor actually appears on the Modern Rock Charts this very month, June 1992, as a featured vocalist on a track by Jaw Wobbles, Invaders of the Heart. All right. I guess that's the show. Orly, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yo, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. And thank you everyone for listening. If anybody would like to get in contact with me, please write me an email at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Also, if anyone is willing to give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be really cool. I'd appreciate that a lot. Uh, for those of you who haven't noticed, if you check out the comments on each episode, there is a link to a Spotify track list. And you can hear all of the songs featured on each season of This Is Modern Rock. So if you want to hear the full version of the songs, they are there, ready for you. And uh, I think that's about and it. And
1: check out social media, oh, This yeah. Is Modern Rock, to see all the artwork.
0: Oh, that's right. I've uh, I've started doing some some scribbly art of uh, some of the the album covers and posting them on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. So yeah, if you are on social media, please, uh, you know, friend us, like us, whatever it is.
1: Give us a follow. Yeah, you know. At Modern Rock.
0: You can find it. It won't be that hard. I hope to see you there. Have a good one. And I'll catch you all in June of 1992.
1: Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.